It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast. Bill Rossetti of Panthers Wire back with you. So hope you guys had a good weekend and are ready to go for another week as rookie minicamp has gotten underway and the rookies are on the field for the first time and certainly some news off the field that we're going to get into and we're going to jump right into it. We're going to start with the story the other day of the potential favorite emerging to buy the Carolina Panthers, and that is David Tepper, the the man that we talked about before that's already been in the NFL because he is a minority owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He has been since 2009. It sounds like he is... The favorite. Now, there was another bid, reportedly another bid that was actually more than David Tepper's, which is probably going to be $2 billion and change. But they like they seem to like Tepper because, remember, Jerry Richardson is still involved. And the fact that Tepper is still involved or is already involved in the NFL is certainly certainly seeming to be a major factor in Jerry Richardson's decision making in terms of who's going to buy the team. And it sounds like we're still on track to have a vote by the owners at the spring league meeting in Atlanta, which will actually be next week. They, they actually start a week from today, May 21st, and they'll run through the 23rd. So it sounds like uh, there will be a vote next week. Remember, it takes uh, two-thirds of the league. It takes 24, 24 owner, or, yeah, 24 owners, th- three-fourths of the NFL. I'm, I'm sorry, so scratch that. I said two-thirds earlier. It's actually three-fourths of the NFL. Uh, but the number is still the same. 24 of the 32 owners must approve this sale for it to happen. But I, you have to imagine that if if something happens, if they come up with a, uh, if they're able to swing a deal by this week, you have to imagine that the owners are going to approve it, possibly unanimously. You know, hard to say, but you have to imagine that. Uh, they'll get the 24 votes needed to to get the sale. So that's something that's certainly big story, and it sounds like it's coming to a close. So we'll certainly keep track of it. Again, probably by early to mid next week, we'll have some clarity and probably a, a finished product in terms of the sale of the Panthers. Some news bits also in terms of the running back position. We'll start with a couple players that they picked up. They claimed Elijah Hood off waivers from the Oakland Raiders. Hood was you know, pretty buried on the depth chart behind 
Marshawn Lynch and their free agent signing Doug Martin, DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard. He was a seventh round pick of the Raiders. So he was waived last week. Panthers picked him up. You know, maybe just a camp body, but we'll see. Maybe a little bit of depth. They also signed Kenyon Barner, uh, almost kind of making his return to the Panthers. He was a sixth round pick by the Panthers in 2013, uh, but of course made his made his name on special teams with the Philadelphia Eagles. So likely he's going to be a special teamer, possibly a core special teamer, mostly because of the player that they lost, and that was Fozzie Whitaker, suffered a torn ACL during OTAs. So needless to say, Fozzie Whitaker's season is already done. You know, torn ACLs in May obviously means you're you're pretty much wiped out. So really, Barner essentially replaces Fozzie Whitaker. Uh, Whitaker will be what Whitaker just turned 29 in February. He should be back in 2019. So so when he returns in 2019, he'll be 30 years old already. It's pretty hard to imagine. Panthers also got some of their rookies signed over the weekend. Pretty much everybody except DJ Moore, really. Uh, Rashawn Gal- or Dante Jackson signed. Rashawn Golden signed. Ian Thomas, Marquise Haynes, Jermaine Carter, Andre Smith, and Kendrick Norton. Pretty much all locked in. So DJ Moore, the first-round pick, the only, only remaining... Draft pick not signed, but shouldn't uh, shouldn't be too long. You're actually already starting to see a bunch of the first-round picks signing, including a pair in the top ten have already signed their contracts. Quentin Nelson with the Indianapolis Colts and Josh Rosen with the Arizona Cardinals. We also saw Deron Payne, who was actually the first first-rounder, to sign with the Washington Redskins. Marcus Davenport signed with the Saints. Leighton Vander Esch agreed to terms with the Cowboys. Frank Ragnow signed with the Lions. And that's it so far. At least, at least that's what's updated so far on the NFL.com page. I mean, I, I thought I did see on NFL.com's bottom line that DJ Moore signed, but they don't have anything... On here, so as far as I know, I, DJ Moore has not signed his contract as of yet, but have to imagine pro- probably won't be too far, especially with a bunch of first rounders already signing and being and low first rounders usually seem pretty easy too. It doesn't. It's usually more the higher picks are the is where you see like the offset language kind of discussions as it were so so it shouldn't be too much for uh for dj moore uh there's also blurb here a couple notes from ron rivere saying garrett gilbert is the leader to be the team's number two quarterback now in a way it's not surprising that he's saying that right now you know he is the only quarter the only other quarterback behind Cam Newton that has been with the team. You know, the other two quarterbacks, of course, are new to the team. Taylor Heineke, 
and Kyle Allen. So not really surprising that Gilbert is right now considered the favorite, you know, especially since the team has not and maybe won't re-sign Derek Anderson. But that'll certainly be an intriguing battle between those three for the backup job. Uh, Rivera also said that Amini Silatolu is right now the favorite to start at left guard, which is a little interesting. Now, he did note that you know Silatolu has dealt with injuries before and kind of lost his spot when he got injured and Andrew Norwell took over and... Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line, or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can listen to alternate routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Pretty much just never gave up the spot. But it's it's going to be a battle. I, it, it's hard for me right now to, to say that Sila Tulu should be the favorite. I think there's definitely going to be a lot of competition. I think Tyler Larson has a good shot to get the spot. They signed... Jeremiah Serlis from the Vikings. Greg Van Rotten has seen time at guard. Even Taylor Moten. They ex- they want to try to give Moten some reps at left guard. So I, I think it's going to be very intriguing. And then, of course, you signed three guards as undrafted free agents, including Taylor Hearn out of Clemson, a guy a lot of people thought had a draftable grade, again, as, a, as we talked about before. Some, I think, even had him as high as, say, fifth round. So, really will be interesting. You know, there's there's obviously a lot of a lot of bodies on that offensive line. A lot of competition. You know, it, it should, should make training. That, that's probably going to be the one of the more intriguing battles, if not the most intriguing, uh, in terms of fighting for a starting spot. Obviously. Secondary is going to be interesting as well with the the two rookies that they drafted and Jackson and Galden and where they'll kind of line up. So really, really will be interesting. What will what will happen? So that's just a quick note on the Panthers and what they've done so far. Uh, what I want to do too is kind of run through quick my thoughts on some of the divisions. You know, we went through the divisional previews heading into the draft. I want to take some time to go through some of the go through the teams and what they 
ended up doing in the draft. Kind of give quick thoughts. I'll start with the New Orleans Saints because I was really... They were one of the more surprising... They had, to me, I think the most surprising move in the first round of the draft. And that, of course, was the trade-up from 27 to 15 to select Marcus Davenport, the defensive end out of Texas San Antonio. When the draft was going on and the news had broke that the Saints had traded up for the 14th overall pick. A lot of people, including myself, thought it was going to be Lamar Jackson. And boy, were we way off on that one. It wound up being Marcus Davenport. You know, and, and nothing against... Marcus Davenport, but the fact that, you know, this is a kind of a raw prospect, and you spend two first-round picks on him, not just the, not just moving up 13 spots to get him, but the fact that you traded up. You traded next year's first-round pick to get Davenport is really going to be really going to be fascinating to watch in terms of how well he develops, how much of an impact he can make, and you know what what the Saints' plans will be going forward. You know, you know, I I, I applaud them going aggressive and. Attacking the defense, but boy, I mean, I'm really going to be intrigued, especially next year when they don't have a first round pick, you know, and, and this is still a team that is going to be in the market for a quarterback soon, you know, obviously maybe not immediately, but soon and next year it's going to be tough for them to do so because now they don't have a first round pick. To play with, so it'll be really interesting, both in terms of Davenport's impact this year and kind of their future plans going forward in the draft. Uh, I did like their third-round pick though, Traquan Smith, athletic wide receiver out of UCF. Uh, the Rick Leonard pick was really interesting. I thought that was quite high, taking him in the fourth round. You know, a, a lot of a lot of people I've talked to or I've seen their opinions. You really didn't hear much from Leonard, or they had them really low, so th this felt like a reach in the fourth. Uh, I, I, I do like the Cameron Moore pick, too, though. I thought that was a pretty solid pick in round six. And then they took uh, Natrell Jamerson, the safety out of Wisconsin, in round five. Also took Louisiana Tech running back Boston Scott, in the sixth round, an LSU guard will clap in the seventh. So at least they took a uh, an LSU guy. But again, so very interesting. 
you know, again, the, the, the big story is the Davenport pick and the fact now that they don't have a first-round pick next year. The Atlanta Falcons, of course, were the second team to take a wide receiver, and some say they got the best wide receiver in the class in Calvin Ridley. Uh, obviously, some will argue the Panthers got the best one in DJ Moore, but that just kind of shows how how unique this wide receiver class was and kind of how deep it was and not very top-heavy. Uh, but they they set up a uh, Alabama duo now with Ridley and Julio Jones. Um, and you, you kind of needed another weapon. You know, the Falcons did lose Taylor Gabriel. He's now in Chicago. And, you know, they like to run a lot of receivers. So they could have used someone along with Jones and uh, Mohamed Sanu. So Ridley's going to be that guy now. So interesting how he fits in. You know, especially now that Matt Ryan has his big contract now, $150 million, $150 million in new money for Matt Ryan's contract. Their next two picks, though, I was pretty intrigued by. I like Isaiah Oliver, obviously very athletic, former decathlete at Colorado. Uh, I, was, I was impressed by his tape, so I thought that was solid late in the second round. And then... Deidre Sanat, uh, another another player I kind of had a bit of a crush on as I, you know, I kind of caught on to him late, but really was impressed by some of the things he can do. So I thought late in the third round, I was pretty solid with that. I know they the Falcons just signed the defensive tackle, so it'll give Sanat a chance to kind of come off the bench or develop a little bit. Uh, then they also took Edo Smith, the running back at a Southern Miss. Uh, Edo Smith was a very productive, one of the one of the most productive running backs in college history, I believe. Uh, played at the Senior Bowl, but didn't get an invite to the combine. But obviously, the Falcons thought highly of him. Took him in the fourth round, you know, and that's usually pre- even still still seems pretty high for a player that didn't. Uh, didn't go to the combine, but you know, good for Edo Smith. You know, I was I was certainly surprised he didn't uh, didn't go to the combine. So really, it'll be it'll be interesting to watch Smith there. Then they took LSU wide receiver LSU wide receiver Russell Gage and Yale safety Voyedesi Olokun. However you say that, uh, both of them in the sixth round. And then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers started at number seven and then traded back to, to number 12. That, of course, was the trade that had Buffalo move up to select Josh Allen. Tampa traded back to 12. Derwin James was still on the board. Thought they were going to go with him, but they ended up going with Vita Vea, the defensive tackle out of Washington. Maybe this is your replacement, or maybe looking ahead to after... Gerald McCoy, and obviously McCoy is more of a three-tech. They, of course, is a one-tech at 350 pounds. But, I mean, you've got to like what you see now out of that Tampa Bay defensive line. Um, a lot of a lot of power inside, and then, of course, all the big pass rush 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All the pass rush after um, at the defensive end position. You know, obviously signing Vinnie Curry, acquiring Jason Pierre-Paul, and then inside you got Bo Allen as well. So this is going to be one of the better, at least on paper, it looks like one of the better units in the uh, for the Buccaneers. Uh, they also took USC running back Ronald Jones with their first of what ended up being three picks in the second round. Of course, they acquired a pair of second round picks from the Bills in that Josh Allen deal. We expected the running, we expected the Buccaneers to go with a running back. Probably pretty early in this draft after losing Doug Martin. And sure enough, their second pick was a running back, when Ronald Jones. And then they doubled up at cornerback with the extra two second-round picks. MJ Stewart out of North Carolina and Carlton Davis out of Auburn. Uh, two very good corners. And then Alex Kappa late in the third round, the tackle out of Humboldt State. This is a guy I've talked up in the past. Um, obviously, he's far from Division One. You know, Humboldt State, I believe, is Division Two. But I've said many times, this is a guy that has trained with the Charles Bentley, and you can really tell that it's been paying off. So I think Cap is going to be really fun to watch. I think he. You know, I, I don't know how much of a sleeper he turned out to be because I think a lot of people seem to be kind of kind of in on him. And certainly the fact that a lot of people didn't really like this tackle class probably pushed him up the board a little bit and ended, ended up going in the third round. But still, you know, solid pick there. Uh, then they went with Jordan Whitehead, the Pittsburgh safety in the fourth. Penn wide receiver Justin Watson in the fifth round. So obviously pretty high for an Ivy League wide receiver, but Watson, one of the more productive, arguably the best wide receiver the Ivy League ever saw. He fared well at the senior bowl. And then Wisconsin linebacker Jack Sitchi in the sixth round. So overall, I thought Tampa Bay had a, had, had a very solid draft. A lot of talent there. A few players that I think can contribute pretty early for the Buccaneers, you know, between them and the Panthers, I think they probably had two of the better drafts in this division. Uh, Atlanta's wasn't too bad. And then New Orleans, you know, I just can't get over the fact that they spent two first round picks on Marcus Davenport. Now, again, nothing against Marcus Davenport. I like the guy. I think he'd be a good player. I just wouldn't have traded next year's first round pick to get him, you know, so Green Bay really made out on that deal. And we'll talk about that when we get to the NFC North. But, you know, just a quick note, you know, Green Bay, of course, trading down, getting a first round pick and then still trading up 
to get their guy. So with that, we'll wrap things up here. Um, as always, want to thank you guys so much for listening. And really do appreciate him. And you can find us on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Bill underscore Rossetti. That's R-I-C-C-E-T-T-E. You can find the show on iTunes, uh, Spotify, pretty much wherever you wherever you get your podcasts. We're on there. So is the rest of the Locked On Network. So check us out there. So until next time, this has been the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it is your team every day. But for this particular day, I am out, and we'll see you next time right here on LOP. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.